This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to our first ever Away Days Championship episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Disruptions on the trains wasn't enough to derail Plymouth Argyle as they were still standing come full time. There's my Elton John pun of the episode gone. Back to by an away end in fine voice, they mustered up one of the most exciting nil-nils since Anfield. Adam Randall had Argyle's chance of the game but couldn't quite squash the Hornets as the points were shared. Joining me for this week's ramble is Joe Bell. How are you? Very well, Aaron. Very well. Um, I enjoy all of your puns every week. They seem to be getting worse as we go on. I give them less time and effort, so I just take them as a as a given now. Uh, Sam Down, how's things? How's the head after yesterday? <laughs> a little sore, but I'm always very good. Thank you. I am always very surprised at how much you remember from a game. And some of the states I see you in, and obviously, as we always say, um, please everybody drink responsibly. Or if you can't do that, at least learn how to handle it. Well, I suppose. And for his first appearance since the reboot, Adam Price, how's things? Yeah, hello. It's good to be. I think this class is my my second debut, right? Am I in the Jason Banton or Morgan Whitaker camp at this point? I guess we'll soon find out. You're more the Jordan Houghton, I reckon. Along, along I'll take that. Away. I will, I will take that at this stage. Before we get on to uh, a nil-nil with more talking points than I ever thought imaginable, uh, just a quick bit of thanks for those who do listen. Uh, both of last week's pods went down a storm. We're growing week on week and the figures are a madness. Uh, so, yeah, just a quick thank you to all who listen, interact, share and ask questions of us Muppets. Watford, Sam, why don't you kick us off with one of your famous recaps Yes, glad to. Um, I just came out of that game absolutely delighted um, with, with what I'd seen, really. And it, it was a it was a, it was a weird kind of mixed emotion in that I found myself a little bit annoyed that we didn't come away from it with a win, um, but I was so happy and impressed that we have actually got to the point of being good enough that not quite getting a win at Watford could annoy me. It, I think a draw was a fair result. I just felt it almost had that that feeling in the air of one of those famous Argyle away wins of the whole crowd sort of, you know, sucking the ball into the net in the second half, um, obviously attacking towards the away Argyle fans as we were in that second half. We just grew more and more into the game as it went on. I think Watford definitely had the first 25, 25 minutes. We took a bit more control after that. Uh, we sort of had... Uh, the spell up to about the 60, 65th, 65th minute mark. And then for the final 25, it was sort of really end to end. Loads of chances, very stretched game and either team could have got the winner. I think both teams created well, but I also think both teams defended well too. Um, the amount of times that Gibson and Scars have got a last minute header or a last minute interception to stop the ball falling into a dangerous position was numerous. And the amount of times that a Watford defender just stepped back and, and cut out what would have been a through ball to somebody in a lot of space for Argyle 
was also numerous. The last ditch defending for both teams is really good. I think both teams had one clear cut chance each, which was obviously for us the Randall one, and they had one. I don't actually know which player it was, but their man who got in one on one with Hazard um, a little bit after the Randall chance and and just fired it, um, fired it a bit high and wide. Um, he went he shot too early, really. I think he was just panicked. Hazard did well, made himself big, and came out. Um, yeah, two teams had a had a big chance each, and other than that, it was it was lots of good play, but but not quite penetrating. Uh, as well, and, and yeah, I, I kind of felt it was just sort of destined to go to an Argyle win. But hey, we'd have all absolutely taken a draw before kickoff. I think a draw was a fair reflection, and it's just so good to be watching games like this, high quality, high end, high octane games. It's like being a nil nil, rather than some of the the games we've seen against League One and Two opponents, whereby it's just been very turgid, very direct at times, and you know, not much quality. It's just absolutely fantastic to see games full of full of life and full of quality. And I just came away from the game with a big smile on my face, thinking thinking how good it is that this is this is what we get to see every week now. Actually, you tweeted that you were coming home with a bizarre mix of emotions. And then now you're saying it was pure joy. So isn't that well? It's it's pure joy after having reflected on it. Because I think at the time it was, oh, come on, I thought we were going to win that. And, I, and obviously with the the Randall one on one, and there was that Wayne one as well. I, um, not the one that was offside, but the one that just sort of fizzed across across the face of goal. And and then after that, the one that was offside. Um, it was just I just felt that that magic moment was just half a second away from happening all all the time. And obviously it just never quite came. So. It was it was a mix of emotions, but now it's now it's very much just just delight at the spectacle we saw. Really, I, I said in my intro that it's potentially the best nil nil since Anfield. What was your views on it? Yeah, absolutely tend to agree. I think you look at a a nil nil as often a case of well, it's defenses on top, and hey, this time it was, but for very different reasons than the fact that we saw a lot of really good defending on each side. That, and that was the only reason that stopped it from being a 1-1, a 2-2, or what have you. I mean, yeah, as Sam's touched on there, the fact you've got Gibson and Scar uh, making all their, their defence interactions as they did is a huge positive um, when we're going forward and trying to get a, a settled, what is, I guess, a defensive pairing uh, when you've gone for that back four. And you also look at the other side, a few interceptions. They, um, you know, Wesley Hoop there, who um, was certainly... As far as I'm concerned, what would player of the match with everything that he did going back? I mean, you're looking at the the number of tackles he made. He's officially down as three, but a lot of them were were last ditch, just at the right time that he'd get in the way. And you look at it and say, well, he's made what 40 Premier League appearances in your career, and I think you can see why. And I think that's what we're going to come up against. But the fact we're coming up against that, and the fact we're more than holding our own, developing the best chance of the game. You know, it's. It's a positive. And isn't it a sign that I can bump into sound down on the way out of a game and I can and we can have those moments of mixed emotions as I just about get a word or two in as I'm hoisted away by the crowd going in the other direction and we're like, Yeah, there are a few mixed emotions. But if you go to a championship ground like that, a ground of not in the Premier League not too long ago, you get a draw and you're still having mixed emotions thinking you could have nicked it. I mean, that's a great sign, isn't it? Yeah, like you said, absolutely brilliant sign. How were your um, signs from watching along at home, Joe? Yeah, I guess this this was sort of a as as disclaimer. I, I wasn't at the game. Um, I wasn't part of the two thousand one hundred who made immense noise. Um, it has to be said, and that that carried through brilliantly on the coverage. I suppose this was actually when you when you have to watch back a nil nil before coming onto a podcast. There's always a little bit of a. Ooh, you know what? What am I getting in? Getting myself in for? But actually, I think the lads have hit the nail on the head. Like this was as as good a nil nil as you've seen. You know, certainly at this at this level. I thought. I mean, what Watford carried a lot of threat going forward in the first half. The game, the momentum of the game for me changed. Although Argyle had their moments in the first half, there was the Hardy chance where. He couldn't quite get it onto his right foot and he had to slide with his left um, that the keeper smothered. And then there was one very dubious moment where Hardy was flagged offside. And I don't think anyone really understood why he was flagged for offside because nobody believed that he was in an offside position. Other than that, it was, it was Argyle were just sort of struggling to get a, a foothold in the game, I felt, watching it back. And then 
for me, the whole momentum changed on the 54th, 55th minute. I didn't write down the exact number when Valerian Ishmael made a quadruple change because he brought off for me Watford's best player in Mateus Martins on the left-hand side, who was causing us all sorts of issues down that flank. I mean, poor Joe Edwards for a large part of the first half was having as, as busy an afternoon as he's had in a long time um, since joining Argo. And I don't know what Ishmael was thinking in making a quadruple change because it's a very rogue move at nil-nil. Um, but it seems to just completely disjoint Watford, for my, in my opinion. And that's when Argyle really started to get a bit of belief. And, I mean, we spent all of last year, Aaron, me, Sam, John, and all the other guys who were on the pod, eulogising about Stephen Schumacher's tactical decisions. Our substitutions had a far greater impact on the game than theirs. We obviously all know about the Randall chance. And look, just because we've got a point away from home doesn't mean we shouldn't be critical. Um, and actually, I've been a little bit surprised at how little has been mentioned from what I can see on social media of that chance. I mean, he, he has to score. You're put through in that situation. You have to score and it's essentially do everything other than you di actually did. Um, I know it's easy for me to say, as I mentioned when referencing a, a boxing fight last night, I've never played a professional game of football in my life. So, I, you know, I'm not really qualified to to comment on Randall's miss, but I do, I am allowed an opinion on it. Um, and my opinion is he has to score. Do you think that's a chance in League One he he takes because he's got a fraction more time? Or Yeah, I don't think the keeper would have rushed out in League One the way that Backman did. I think Backman does deserve a bit of praise for the way he came out um, to smother Randall. Bayo obviously had the chance for them towards the end as well. And I mean, he, he took it about a year too early. I don't know why he hit the ball there. Um, he had plenty of time. But as I say, our substitutions were really effective. I thought Luke Cundall was brilliant when he came on, um, replacing Randall. We had, obviously, Ben Wayne had one or two opportunities when he went through. But if there's anyone out there who, I said it on Twitter last night, if there's anyone out there who now doesn't believe that Argyle don't belong at this level, watch that 95 minutes back and then sit down and have a conversation with me because we have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with a side who I think will be in and around the playoffs at the end of the year. And we've been more than a match for them. And what an unbelievable defensive effort it was. And that's not to say that it was, you know, we went into a low block and we tried to contain them. We had our moments. And when we went forward, we looked very threatening. But to a man, every single one of them was outstanding for me again. And that's a fantastic um, accolade for them to have. Yeah, before we get into talking about how great Lewis Gibson is and how he's my new favourite player, just get, I asked for some full-time thoughts. This is going to be fun. I'm going to have to just read out loads of messages and get every other word wrong. Uh, Matt Graham said, could have lost that 3-0, but we could have won it 3-0. One of the most entertaining 0-0s he's ever watched. And one of the best matches he's ever attended in a library. I think you, you mentioned it there, Joe. It was awfully quiet at Vicarage Road. Malcolm Campbell said, great result. Watford are a tough team to draw at their ground is great. Uh, Ken Adams, we're massive. The end. Who else? Let's pick some randoms. Uh, Jimbo, PAFC, said, apart from Edwards looking exposed first half, we were solid. All the forward players look threatening and hardy. It's a non-stop running to be, is to be recognised. I think I jumped on with, do not scratch your eyes in a Twitter space yesterday um, whilst I was in Chipotle eating a burrito. And they, literally everybody on there was saying how good Hardy was and that he was he was underrated. It's as if I've been saying that for a whole year since we resurrected this podcast, isn't it? Weird that. I mean, it's very peculiar. If you say so. If you, I'd, I've never heard you say that, but sure. Ollie Thomas had solid performance, great dis defensive display, great point away from home. Um, Sam Rosevere said, other than Edwards in the first 20, he thought everybody was good. No one looked out of place. Saxon only done well being chucked in the deep end. And Ray Weeks says, a draw is better than a lost. So, yeah, that's not wrong either. Obviously, we've spent over £2 million in the summer transfer window. Yeah, I think our best signing seems to be at the back. Just how good was Lewis Gibson yesterday? I don't know who wants this. You can all have it if you want. He was just that good. I, I think it's... It's it's a completely fair comment, and um, yeah, like as you say, it's it's one of the the, the free transfers, as it were. Um, I don't actually know if I'm if I'm being correct there, or whether we actually had to pay Everton any compensation. But anyway, it's it, it's one of those guys that um, 
that's really stood out. And he did. I mean, he's the sort of player who, when we brought him in, and I, 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 I don't still don't dispute this, but when, when we brought him in, he was very much a case of, you brought in a ball-playing defender here. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's the sort of player who can... Who, who can advance attacks from the back. And that's exciting, right? That, that, that's what we wanted to hear. But um, he also added the skill yesterday, I think, of having that perfect defensive knack of being in the right place at the right time on plenty of occasions. And yeah, when you're up against the sort of forwards that we were up against yesterday and we'll be up against for most of the next 44 games <laughs> that, 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 we're up against, that, we're, that we've got on the horizon, that's exactly the sort of thing you want. You're want a player who is going to make as he did the eight clearances you want a player who is going to make as he did those four interceptions you want the player who is going to make a uh, joint match high of of three block shots when he needs to and he did uh yeah that's you you can't expect anything more as far as i'm concerned from from somebody who you know when we signed him perhaps wasn't because or or at least didn't appear you know to 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 the initial eye because of his defensive ability full stop, they were signing him for, for the way he went forward. I think his defensive stats and his defensive abilities may have gone overlooked. They're not going to go overlooked anymore. Not after that. I, I thought he was sensational. And I, yeah, I can understand the competition from everyone on the pitch. He was my player of the match. I think it was close between him early and probably Scar for me. But hey, in, in terms of what, what Gibson did yesterday, I, it's very hard to find fault. Let's put it that way. I'm blaming you because I wasn't expecting that. After reading your your piece into our summer transfer business on on Lewis Gibson, like you said, I expected him to be um, a ball playing defender who was going to go on these these mazy runs and play lovely through balls. And nope, he's absolutely rock solid. I can accept the blame. That's fine. Sam, how does Pleguazelo, you know, the man who turned down European football to come to us, dislodge either Scar or Gibson, and they're in this form? Yeah, it's, he's going to really struggle to, isn't he? I mean, look, it's a very long season and no doubt there will come a time where one of that pair either has an injury or gets suspended or has a dip in form and surely that's when Plegovola will get his chance. He could even get his chance in other ways. He can play it right back, so he might get a go there. He play a back three for a certain game. He he might get a go there. And of course, maybe, you know, Schumacher being the guy he is, the very clever manager he is, may even make tactical adaptations for, for certain games because maybe there are some games whereby it would be really useful to have somebody, maybe when teams don't offer much aerial threat up front, Scar might be a bit more expendable and we might just need somebody who can really play the ball out from the back a bit more in which Plegafuelo might come in come in then. So there's a, there's, there's a whole host of possibilities. It is a very, very long season and we are still incredibly early stages of it. Uh, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll definitely get his chance. And when he gets the chance, if he takes it as well as... Scar and Gibson have, will be having the same conversation in reverse. We'll be saying, how did one of our best players of the last two years, Dan Scar, get in to, to the team then? So I think at the minute you probably want to continue with, with Scar and Gibson for league games. But if, um, you know, um, as soon as the chance arises, Plegafoyle will, will be given that. And I'm sure he'll then, he'll then take it when it does. Yesterday on the way home on the train, I just remembered Warsaw fans telling me that Dan Scar wasn't very good. And now he's looking a cut above in the championship. He's now being selected ahead of somebody who turned down European football for us. Yeah, Absolutely mad. player that I have been doubtful of in the past, uh, Joe, is Saxon Early, uh, mainly in those away games, Oxford and Peterborough, where he did score in both, sure, but uh, defensively looked a bit weak. Uh, I suppose this is sort of two questions in one. Do you think that he's more suited to being just a left-back opposed to the the left wing back role that we, you know, we were asked him to play last season. And and the second part of that question is just how good was he on Saturday? Yeah, I think we sort of, we sort of believed if you looked at Early's performances in those two games, I, mean, I actually thought he played all right at Oxford last year. I, I thought, I thought he got a bit of a bad rap off that performance. Um, and equally, although I think he, he gave away a really stupid penalty in the Peterborough game, I didn't think his performance was that bad. But I think we all sort of maybe accepted off the back of those performances that maybe he was just a left back and we were trying to make him into a left wing back to fit our system at the time. I thought he looked so comfortable and all at home yesterday um, in that type of game. Um, I thought as the game went on, he got stronger. And look, I mean, if that's a the thing, the thing is, and I, I said it in relation to last week's win against Huddersfield, that that was the 
you know, that's the benchmark for the group to take forward into every game, you know, commitment, desire, hunger and things. You know, that was what they needed to match every week. And they matched it on Saturday and probably bettered it, really. But for Saxon early and for individual performances, you know, that's the benchmark for him now. You know, that's the level of performance that is the bare minimum that he needs to perform to in games um, for Argyle at this level. And, you know, he is only young. He's he's not got many, you know, we've got to be careful here in assuming that he's a seasoned professional. You know, he's he's still very early on his career path. Um, so he will develop. He will get stronger with the games he plays. But that was a real, especially considering he was thrown in late, as well, you know, the plans all week were that was that Kane had recovered from being a from being a pinata um, against Leighton Orient, the poor kid. He ended up signing for Bayern instead, though, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, that you know, it's a bit of a come down, really, isn't it? That's a good joke. I'm definitely going to keep that in. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he, he was called up late to replace Kesler Hayden. Obviously, we hope that that Kane is walking wounded, sort of thing, and he'll be fine for next week, but. You know, there is there is a a question mark there now for Stephen because Saxon did absolutely nothing wrong yesterday, and as I say, did not look out of place whatsoever at left back, and that's the benchmark he has to perform to every week. I do like the fact that we're on first name terms with uh, Kane, Stephen, and Saxon now. Uh, that's good. But jumping ahead to a a Twitter question, I know we're going to do a big. Uh, Twitter questions section in a bit but um, Adam I'll give you this one seeing as a, you've not been asked this before Josh Pitcher has asked how did Hazard look uh, has he given the panel more confidence in him and seeing as you've not been part of this panel before we'll, we'll, I'll give that one to you yeah there we go yeah I can offer the comparator um, he's he's not done much wrong has he I mean it's it's one of the I think last week you could um Let's be fair and suggest the win played havoc last week. Um, but uh, I think we look at what, what he did yesterday. It's very odd. Okay, he's not had to pull off some outstanding saves or anything, like that, as he kind of made for himself the week prior. I think I looked at it as what well, his post-shot XG was about 0.3. So you, you're disappointed if you can see that. But he did what he had to do. And yeah, that's very encouraging. And you look at it, and he's made a good few high claims as well. And you know, just... Um, to, to stop a few of those of those Watford attacks at, at source as the ball comes in. So yeah, it's um is a game gone. He's done everything he needs to. He's not dropped any clangers and he's six foot six. So I'm left happy. Yeah, Sam, did any of the distribution or the, the passing around the back worry you at all? Uh no, no. Um as the person who perhaps of the uh of the podcast is most critical of had without anyone last week, I feel I should say, yeah, he looked a lot more confident. Um, he's really good on high balls and, and looked a lot more confident with the ball. I do wonder how much of the uh, slightly erratic distribution in the Huddersfield game may have just been the wind, I guess, to an extent. I, I still don't think the wind caused that one where he gave it away right at the edge of the box and nearly scored, but maybe some of the other ones did. Um, yeah, he went uh, a lot better yesterday. I think the only reason I... Only, uh, in inverted commas, only gave him a 7 out of 10 in my player ratings was um, just how, how kind of little you have to do in, in, in a sense. Because like, like like me and Joe and Adam have, will have all alluded to it. Scar and Gibson did such a great job in in stopping anything out, from, stopping anything from getting to him. And didn't really actually have have that much to do. He had a few long-range, you know, pot shots to save. But yeah, you'd be disappointed if you didn't save that, wouldn't you? Um but yeah, he, he didn't have a lot to do, but what he did have to do, he did very well. Um, claimed high balls well, total confidence in the A, never felt that he was going to get bullied at all. And yeah, the distribution was a lot better. And and kind of what links to that, the whole playing out from the back and also kind of interlinks to the point about early as well, and Edwards, is that we, great effect, certainly in the second half, but points in the first half as well, we really saw sides of the inverted fullbacks that Schumacher's been talking about all through pre-season day. Edwards and Early both came in and overloaded the midfield areas really well. I think it's a trend that we've seen so much in, in the Premier League. Um, and like With Man City, halfway through last season, they changed their formation to a, to a system that effectively doesn't involve full-backs or wing-backs, but they just overloaded the central areas and kind of relied that other players are mobile enough to cover the wide areas as and when needed. Obviously, and, and Liverpool also toyed with doing that when they've put Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield. Not that we're quite at that level of tactical advancement with it. I don't think we're going to 
anytime soon see a formation where we get rid of fullbacks and wingbacks all together. But I think the fact that we're trusting them more to come inside, cause chaos coming inside and overload the central areas, but not just rigidly, rigidly dictating that they stick to the wide areas, is a sign that we're we're following that trend of the way football's going and we're executing it pretty well. Yeah, talking of um Guardiolaisms, that's not a word, but it is now. Uh, I noticed on Friday night when football returned, according to the media, Carl Walker took a goal kick to Edison. And I thought, oh, that, that's that's weird. And then I noticed that uh, Burnley were doing it to James Trafford. And then I noticed that we started doing it um, on Saturday, where the, the centre-back takes a goal kick to the, the, the keeper. Joe, I'll come to you on this one. In terms of like playing out around the back four, how long is it until we worry Man City? Nice to see you paid attention to the Huddersfield game, Aaron, because we did it quite a few times in the first half. I did we? Um, not a fan, but if I mean, if it makes us win games, I'll take it. But I mean, look, let's let's not get away from it. It's it's the way we play. We play out from the back. Um, if it's not Scar laying it off to Hazard initially, it's going to be Hazard laying it off to one of Scar, Gibson, Pleggy, Macca, Brendan Galloway, whoever it's going to be. That's at the back there so I'm comfortable with it um as I say I you know I was very much with um John Alsop last week we were leading the case for the defense for for Connor Hazard and you know nothing's changed in my mind I still think he's a very good keeper it's in I've just had a look actually um three saves is all he had to make in yesterday's game so as much as we all think Watford had had all those chances, you know, three saves is all our keeper had to make. And I didn't really remember him being troubled particularly by any of them. So, yeah, the conditions last week played a part as well. Um, we maybe had to play out a little bit more than as we're accustomed to, because we're not against going long at times. But as I said last week, going back to the point I was going to make before I drifted myself off there, that, you know, we're probably asking Connor to play a different style to what he's been used to at Helsinki and Celtic um, you know we are asking him to be a ball playing keeper at times um, and I don't imagine they've he's been he's been doing that too much at his previous club so um, I do think we have to have an air of caution to it because at the end of the day we're not going to just change the way we play now because in five six weeks time whenever the saviour comes back the, the golden child, you know, we, that's how we're going to play with him in between the sticks. So um, we're not just going to change it just because Coops is out. Um, see, I'm I'm comfortable with it. Um, I, I'll probably change that view if we suddenly cock it up big time like we almost did last week. But um, we'll see. I'm happy for the minute. Saviour by name and saviour by position. Any other players that anybody would like to highlight for performances? Yeah, Jordan Alton, again, um, same as last week. Really fantastic in the centre midfield. I think Watford had the better of the midfield because they, they did control possession, even if the chances weren't weren't plentiful. But but Houghton had a, still had a very good game, um, considering it was only two, only two CMs. Um, did did everything did everything he could. It cut out a, a few balls. It was really good, clever positioning for interceptions, you know, often interception stats, you, you know, you can maybe take a pinch of salt because, you know, sometimes an interception can just be a result of a bad pass from the player before rather than doing anything particularly well from from the from the midfielder. I think a really good interception is one where it's actually not a bad pass, that the midfielder just is so alert and so alive to the game he gets in the way. And I think Houghton had seven of those good interceptions. He he started the he kept the ball moving well when he got it. Um he was at the root of, of of a lot of our of our good counter attacks as well, proving that transition from defence to attack when we did when the game did get stretched and we counter on the other end. So for the second week in a row, I'm delighted that Jordan Houghton's really showing what he can do. Um, and and again, long but that continue. Randall next to him w- was also pretty good in that regard. I don't think he would, he was quite as good as Houghton. Um, in in the sense, I think there was maybe a couple of times where. Where he, he was a little bit outran in midfield, but still still good by and large. And like I said, it was a game between two good teams, and I was good with everything. So yeah, credit to the central midfield too. Um, Houghton very good, and, and Randall also pretty good. I think he'll be annoyed with himself at that chance. But as 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 Joe said, I think you have to give some credit to Backman for because he made himself as big as he could have done, uh, and and that definitely made it a harder chance than it would have been. 
otherwise. I think both sides um, deserve enormous praise for the tempo, the spirit, the pace the game was played at. Um, because as we, we're talking about what a good nil-nil it was, it was just such a good game to watch. There was no shenanigans. I don't recall the physio being on the pitch during the game. I'd like to think I would recall it, given I only watched it this afternoon. Um, but I don't recall the trainer being on the pitch in the afternoon. That's highlighted by the fact there was one minute added on in the first half, which I think even that was a token gesture. I don't think we really needed it. Um, and there was only four minutes added on at the end, even though there have been nine substitutions made. Um, so I think both sides deserve an enormous amount of credit. The ball was in play for a long time, which I think both clubs prefer. Um, and I mean, look, we just want more games of that, don't we? When you pay your money to watch a game, you want to enjoy it as much as everyone did with that one on Saturday. And I think that's testament to both sets of fans on social media praising the game as such an enjoyable watch because nil nils can be drab at times, but that one wasn't. And I think that's down to the, the spirit and the pace the game was played at by both sets of players. Yeah, on that, we clearly um, thought we were going to try and snatch a winner because the, the way we were trying to hurry the game up as well was, was, shocked me a little bit because I thought away from home would be trying, maybe not to slow the tempo, not to, you know, but, you know, take our time a little bit. There was a few throw-ins from Edwards where he sort of rushed them and got the ball back into play as quickly as possible. Um, the same with the goal kicks. And, and I was just a bit like, well, I thought a point here would be good. Let's let's settle for it. But obviously the players thought, you know, we could get the winner here. Go on then, Joe, jump on ref watch. Anything to complain about? Anything to complain about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's little niggly things again. I, I don't think we got the rub of the green with some of the decisions... I don't ever want to come on and say a referee favoured an opposition or anything, but we just didn't seem to get a couple of the niggly fouls. I don't think we got as many as perhaps we could have. I think Barley Mumba's yellow card was a little bit ridiculous as well. Um, there was the the incident with Scar's yellow card, where actually if, if you go back and watch the build-up to it, um, the referee actually is sort of impeding Jordan Howe to get into the ball carrier. Um, and that allows him just a yard extra on our defence as he goes through. And then, of course, Scar has to foul him. Um, and it's just a little bit annoying when that sort of thing happens, because retrospectively, I'm not saying Jordan Houghton would have broke the play up, but Houghton was there. He was on his man um, and the referees impeded him getting to him. Um, and then it was just the offsides. Like, as I say, the, the, the one with Hardy in the first half just was a little bit peculiar, really, because I couldn't understand... You know, every I think even a couple of the Watford players were a little bit surprised that the flag had gone up um, when Hardy tried to go through on goal. So it's just one of them things. Um, you know, I think one thing that is noticeable, although we've only had two league games, is the standard of refereeing is better at this level. Um, I don't think any, you know, it, it should be for a start. You know, we're one tier below the Premier League. You know, we should have some very good referees. Um, and as the season goes on, obviously, with more relying on games you will want strong referees in certain situations and things so overall Mr Outringham had a good afternoon um a lot better than the afternoon he had against us when he refereed us against Rochdale all those years ago um when he sent off Maxine Blanchard um for those of us who were lucky enough to be there the day we survived in the football league let's call that a break and then when we jump back on we'll have some Twitter questions and then some any other business and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's just jump straight into some Twitter questions. Would it be fair to say Whitaker looked a bit off the pace yesterday? Helps if I say who asked that. That's Andrew Willis. I guess when you're looking at the comparison between the two games so far, he obviously wasn't quite at the heights he had at the at the Huddersfield game, but I think that's only because in the Huddersfield game he's got a goal on the assist and looked alive for it. I mean, it, it wasn't his best game. I think when you've got the limited possession, limited opportunities that um that he had to to really assert himself, you perhaps expect that from from an, an attacking player. And he still had his moments, um, don't get me wrong, but I think when you look at the defence, I think, as with a lot of things, you have to praise the, the opposition defence. I mean, they intercepted a, a, a number of balls or perhaps just a half second away from getting to Whitaker. And if that ball's a bit a bit more on it, then maybe we're, we're, we're looking at a different story with Whitaker. So, no, not his best game, but not one that leaves me unduly concerned. Michael asks, do you think that Randall is now an automatic starter? I think we might see Kundal from the, from the start next Saturday. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Somebody else asked me this on earlier on today, actually. I don't think I see anyone as an automatic starter under Schumacher, to be honest with you. Um, I think we, I had, I, I had enough fingers burnt last year when we ended up playing Schumacher roulette when it came to picking the side. So, um, as I say, I don't think anyone's a shoe of a place. What I will say is, I thought Kundal had a very big impact off the bench yesterday. Whether or not that's earned him enough to start against Southampton, I don't know because, again, just a note of caution to what Schumacher said after the Leighton Orient game is that Kundal and Azaz Warrington, they're just a little bit behind the rest of the group. So it will be a gradual process for them to come into the side. So um, what won't help, what won't harm his chances, sorry, is these substitute appearances, him catching the eye the way he did yesterday. But I still think that Randall will probably keep his place this Saturday. Strictly Plymouth asks, did Watford underestimate us? Four panic subs in the second half didn't change the game for them. I don't think they underestimated us necessarily. I think Ismail is, is just a manager who likes to make use of subs. He plays a very high octane, high energy style, which is very demanding on, on his players. I don't think they underestimated us. I didn't get the sense they were complacent and, and turned up thinking they were going to walk in. I just think that they just didn't do enough to break us down. Oh, that's a lot quicker than I was expecting from you. Adam, do not scratch your eyes. The Watford FC podcast says, I hope everybody got back safe. Their question is, would your home and away kits be improved by swapping short? The away shirt is indeed very nice. Wow, isn't that a lovely thought? Um, look, I am not going to sit here and, and criticise any decisions in the kit-making department. I like the imagination of having the white shorts and the green shirt, but I think let, let's not mess with something that uh, that's so good. Let's leave us where we are and um, enjoy us looking that sexy for a season. Sam, what are your views on the new 4-3-3 system now that we've seen it home and away in the league? Does it play to the strengths of our squad? That's a very good question. I'm actually glad you asked it up because I did see that on coming on Twitter earlier and I was kind of thinking of a response. Um, good. My honest truth is, it, it's partially. I think there are, as I've said in previous parts, there are some players who are definitely, I think, more suited to a, to a three at the back. Uh, Joe Edwards being one, I think he's possibly possibly a little too too short in stature to be a conventional fullback. Um, uh, so possibly he'd be more suited to three at the back. I think Mumba, we, we've kind of always priced it as being a bit more suited to three at the back. Like, you know, not that he's in any way bad in a in a, in a four two, in a four three three or four two three one or whatever, but maybe just his natural position is wing back. Um, Kevin Hayden probably more naturally suited to being a wing back, but there are also some players who I think are very much more suited to a back four, apt, uh, or, or to a four-three-three to be more precise. Uh, one of them being Saxon Early, as we, as we alluded to earlier. I think he definitely fits this this system like a like a glove. I think when he was a wing back, I just think he wasn't entirely bad at attacking. He wasn't entirely bad at defending, but I think there were just times where he just didn't really know what his role was. He got caught in in, in all sorts of turmoil not knowing whether he was meant to go forward or defend and I think he, he struggled a little bit quite getting his role as a wing back um but as a as a, as a left back he, he he's mastered it superbly and I think it's kind of funny because 
I think he has all the skill set to be a wing back. And if ever we went back to three at the back again in the future, I absolutely wouldn't mind seeing him play there. But at the moment, he's just a lot more comfortable as a left back. And I think he's doing so knowing that when he does wander out of position, he knows he's got very good players to, to fill in. Um, another player I think absolutely more suited to the new system, Jordan Houghton. Um, I think having um, obviously, well, it's, it's kind of a, it's got a quite a fluid system. In the, in the, it's got a borders between a four-two-three-one and a four-three-three. In that, it, it at times when we're, when we've got the ball, it's it's maybe a bit of a double pivot between Houghton and Randall with Callum Wright bursting forward to join the attack, and, and maybe at times when we're penned back in, it becomes a bit more of a four-three-three with Callum Wright coming into midfield. I took, but, but either way, I think it absolutely suits Houghton. Um, I think he. He, he helps him having the having the the, the wing back and throw the full backs as they are now come inside. So that he's got an outlet, um, which I think he he he's a lot looks a lot better under this formation. So I think it's it's the mixed bag. I think and another player I think it's probably more suited to the new system. What okay, we'll go one more is is Gibson because as great as he is, maybe the one area where he might be a little bit lacking is possibly pace. He's not the quickest, so I wonder. If, if he might be a bit more exposed in the back three coming up against pacey wingers running at him. So I think it's a mixed bag. There are definitely some players more suited to it, to a three at the back, three four three slash three five two. But there are also definitely some players more suited to a four three three slash four two three one. Hey, it's got four points out of the opening two and League Cup progression. I don't think you can advocate for changing it too too much, maybe on a game by game basis or in game changes, but I think pretty clearly this is going to be our our predominant formation for the season, and quite rightly so. We spoke about it, Joe, didn't we, in the, in the midweek pod post-Orient uh, about maybe switching to a back five for the, the stronger games, but obviously that doesn't look to be the, the case. It looks like we're just going to go with a 4 3 against everybody, and it worked well enough against Watford, and I've got no complaints. Joe, Matty H has asked, are you nervous that we only have two years to prepare for Champions League football? Yeah, because my passport runs out in 18 months. So I'd have to renew it if we're going to Barcelona and I was uh, what other places? Galatasaray. and Yeah, I think we maybe need to take our foot off the accelerator a little bit with those thoughts. Um, let's have a nice season where we finish 12th or 13th and everything's all rosy in the garden. And then next year we can build towards a playoff push and... And then we can think about the Premier League. But I think the Champions League is a little... You never know, we might win the Carabao Cup and then we can go on a European tour next year. I would much prefer a season in the Europa Conference. Maybe Pleguazelo didn't turn down European football. He's just taking us there instead. Adam, should Finazaz start over Callum right next Saturday? That's from Paul Burke. It's a fair one. Um, I think... Perhaps under normal circumstances, yes. I think just as we were um, mentioning, I think, Joe, you might have brought it up before, um, with the lone leash just being a little bit behind in terms of their, perhaps their preparation time. And um, we know how long it took the Azazdil to get over the line. I um, wouldn't perhaps be pushing for the, for the start now um, and feel like perhaps a game against, you know, at home um, when we're admittedly against a possession-heavy team, but we'll at least hope to be on the front foot on certain times. But I think that could play into right hands. So I wouldn't make that change yet. I, I appreciate it's borderline. And if the change does get made, hey, I'm not going to sit here and say that's shocking and disgraceful. But for me, I'd be more comfortable, I think, starting right, at least on Saturday and seeing where we go from there. Um, a question from the pub who have asked me questions in person. Freddie Asaka bags a hat-trick for the academy side on Saturday against Forest Green Rovers. Um, Sam, is he now just too good for youth football and would he, it be more beneficial for him to have a League 2 National League loan over youth football compared to the occasional few minutes off the bench? I think Joe would like that question. Well, funny enough, it is something that me and Joe discussed on a, on a previous pod because Joe, Joe was advocating for it and I sort of said, well, hang on a minute, he's not youth football. But yeah, it, it does, it has made me think again that maybe he is, he is so good that he's just sort of mastered youth football now. I think maybe the danger is that we just loan him to somewhere whereby it's ultra-physical, they don't really have it, have a role for his best position and he just gets kicked about and and that doesn't help his development too much. I think... That that's something that could happen, and if he then comes back from a bit of a a demoralising loan in League Two, whereby he's he's not 
performed at his very best just because it's so ultra-physical and so, you know, foul-heavy. He's been sort of kicked out of the game. That may not be the best thing for his development. You see, the, the, I, th- I think the absolute ideal thing is if we were playing in some kind of regular under-21 or under-23 team, that would be perfect because then we would we would have the best of both worlds and he would have something he's not too, far too good for. But equally, he wouldn't just be, you know, in, in danger of being, um, you know, um, suffering death by League Two. Um, so that would be ideal. I think on balance, I would keep him just because keeping him around the club, yes, okay, he might find under 18 games a bit easy at times, but also it gives us the option that we can play him in cup games like we did the other week. We can even play him in some league games off the bench. And on the occasions where we do enter into the, oh, is, is it, the, is it the, the PL Cup or the Challenge Cup or something, we, we played in it last season. It was only about three games, but it was a kind of equivalent to an under 23s team. And, and when we if and when we play in that again this season, we can play in that. So whilst I'm tempted by Joe's argument to loan him out, I'm still, at the moment, sticking to my guns of keep him around the club, play under 18s most weeks with the occasional taster of first-team football. And when we do play under 23s football, play him in that also. I just I just want it noted for the record that whilst two weeks ago I did have that opinion, having listened to Mr Schumacher explain the reasons why Freddie Asaka and Caleb Roberts will not be leaving the football club, I am totally on board with his rationale. Um, so purely because he can train with the first team every day of the week, then go off and play in the 18s if he's not needed in the first team. Um, it's 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 a football match. It's a game. It's it's ninety minutes under his belt every week. Um, I it's funny. I was watching it back today, and I actually thought he'd have been quite a handy option to come off the bench on Saturday. Um, with his rawness after his performance on Tuesday night. So, um, yes. Whilst I once held an opinion, I'm now the polar opposite to what I said two weeks ago. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit there. There we go. The Argyle life opinion is that he should stay. Uh, well, on that, actually, spoke to Talky Talk earlier, very briefly on Twitter, very briefly about Will Jenkins Davis. Um, he said that, that they're looking at a bit more of a direct style this season. So the midfield's basically getting bypassed. So when we were talking about finding the right players to come in on loan and also talking about finding the right clubs for our loanees to go to, we might not have hit the nail on the head with that one. But obviously, we're very early in the season. That might change. Adam Argyle Chance made a, a great point on Twitter. Sorry, sticking with the Freddie Asaka talk. Um, he said that he just looks at the lack of a reserve team uh, league, the lack of Pizza Cup, no FA Cup until the third round, which is in January. I wonder how few competitive minutes some of this squad are going to get between now and Christmas. Is that something that you um, also share? Do you worry? Don't share the concern, personally. I think the way that I look at it is, yes, OK, we don't have as many games. We don't have Pizza Cup, but there's a couple of games that we're losing from the FA Cup. What we are gaining is a condensed schedule. We are having, we're in the championship. We're going to have more and more players looking at, um, you know, potentially international at youth level for some and uh, at senior levels for those who are from lower ranked nations, so we say. So there's still going to be a lot of minutes and particularly when you consider say the amount of suspensions that are, are, are going to be taking place with the increased number of yellow cards with the amount of injuries that we're perhaps likely to get from the condensed schedule I still think there is plentiful opportunity for the players who are perhaps on the fringes to still get plenty of minutes so yeah it's a little bit of a shame that we don't have that opportunity anymore with um, the, the Pizza Cup fixtures uh, particularly in the group stage that nobody cares about but at the same time there's still going to be a few more, let's call it holes in the first team that we wouldn't have had last year. And I think considering the standard of the Pizza Cup and considering the sort of thing that we've got now, that is going to balance it out. And to be honest, no, I don't think that concerns me at all. As we look to wrap up this podcast, it's been quite a long one. um, The Carabao Cup second round draw saw ball number 12, Plymouth Argyle draw number five, Crystal Palace. Uh, we were talking about that on, on Tuesday, weren't we, Joe, about wanting that to be an away game. The the Yannick Balassi, Jason Punchin, Mark Edworthy, Freddie Ladapo, Sam Woods, Reese Wilmot, Hiram Boateng, Malcolm Allison, Jason Banton and Ian Holloway Derby. There are so many more. I've had endless people uh, reply to my tweet telling me how many more there are. There are loads. Um, happy with that draw? I think it's winnable? Yeah, I think it, it ticks a number of boxes. 
if I'm honest. I suspect providing the club are responsible and realistic with their ticketing prices, I suspect it will sell out. One thing that should be noted, it won't be on the television. Um, Sky have confirmed, I think they're showing Salford Leeds, obviously. And Doncaster Everton, which I think was pretty much nailed on as soon as the draw came out that that was going to be on the telly because of Everton's plight. Um, A northern bias. Yeah, maybe justice for Newport versus Brentford. I'm going to launch that that campaign. Yeah, as I say, it ticks a lot of boxes because I think it will sell out. Palace play a really good brand of football. Um, They have done now ever since they went back into the Premier League, to be honest with you. I like, I've got always got a little soft spot for Palace, actually, personally, because I, I love the atmosphere they get there at Salas Park, hence why we talked on Tuesday night about it being an away fixture. That's not to be. And the other box it ticks, I suppose, is, although it would have been nice to have had Tottenham or Chelsea, if you get one of the Brentfords, the Palaces, the Fulhams, etc., you're more likely to see their stronger side. Um, and, you know, as much as I would have, Hated to have seen James Ward-Prowse tear us apart on Saturday. Um, you know, I'd quite like to see Eberetche Eze and Michael Alise and Jordan Ayew and those sorts of players. Roy Hodgson will see the Carabao Cup as, I suppose, a bit of a priority because I don't imagine there will be any relegation battle in the Premier League this year. So they'll want a cup run somewhere and it will be a good test. But it is a test on our home soil with our home record and if we can pick up a couple more positive results before we go into that game, then, you know, we're going to be bang up for it that night. I suppose what is a little bit frustrating is Shuey sort of spoke after Tuesday night at Leighton Orient that the Carabao Cup gives us time to rotate the squad and get players minutes. And I wonder if in the back of the mind he was hoping for somebody of the League 2, League 1, maybe even a championship outfit so he could do that. Whereas I think in our heart of hearts, as much as we weren't weakened by the side we put out on Tuesday night, I think in our heart of hearts, we're likely to see a, a almost starting 11 um, take to the field. But I'm looking forward to it. I, I look forward to um, getting my ticket whenever ticket details are announced, presumably some point this week when they decide whether it's going to be the Tuesday or the Wednesday night. Yeah, as I say, sellout, home park, cup tie, Premier League opposition, ticks every box. Um, I did very quickly before Sam and Adam chip in. I saw a thing. First three home games of this season, Stephen Schumacher is going to go up against three managers with a combined total of about 3,500 games in management, with Warnock doing about 1,800, Russell Martin nearly 200, and obviously Roy's done about 1,300. So he's a fair few brains to pick from. Um, and that that can only be a good thing as well, because, you know, we might be able to build a, a little relationship with Palace as well if they've got a nice, young, exciting, hungry striker that needs a bit of loan time. I assume you're completely ignoring Richie Wellens' visit to Home Park. Yeah, not interested. OK. He managed Swindon in a COVID year, irrelevant club. Uh, OK. Any thoughts to add on Roy's first visit to Home Park? Do you think that we'll give him a comically large Ginsters pasty like we did with Klopp? Oh, I hope so. He's only across his career, hasn't he? But uh, no, I'm. Uh, it's an exciting one. It's weird, really, that um, it's it's coincided here. The amount of times where we've had the opportunity and got through to the second round of the cup and been like, oh, maybe we face a Premier League team here, and then we we get some god awful draw away to a team in the same league and end up crashing out. It's Fun to have. It's um, it's nice that kind of as we enter uh, perhaps our most exciting season in many a year that we now have perhaps our most exciting league cup draw in many a year too. It's it's quite nice. Um, yeah, I'm. I say it, it's going to be a good test. I absolutely agree. Um, I imagine as I say that both teams are likely to play um their their, their strongest side. I think certainly. Uh, I'm sure, he wouldn't want to deny any of our first team the opportunity to test themselves against Premier League opposition. So the question is going to be, does Roy Hodgson take the Carabao Cup seriously? Which I know, Joe, you touched on, he probably does. And I I tend to agree. In in terms of Palace, I don't see them going down. I don't see them um, turning their nose up at the Carabao Cup when it's something they could feasibly go a very long way in. But at the same time, they could equally see that as a case very similar to the way we did late in Orient, i.e., 
we still want to win this game and we're going to put a team out that's going that we fancy can win this game but at the same time we want to give a few players a chance to to get minutes behind them and if he does do that certainly given our home record then I put ourselves in with a chance so we're obviously not going to go in as favorites but as I say it's going to be a fun experience I too look forward to getting my ticket and um yeah, as I say, um, if we can get 10,000 inflating or even provided we get that pricing structure right, I see no reason why we're not going to have a sellout under the lights and have a good time. Sam, why don't you run us through the last few former England managers to uh, be in the dugout at Home Park? The only one in the time I've been a fan, which is over 21 years, in a competitive game, I don't know if there might have been a friendly, was Glenn Hoddle in April 06 when we were managed by Tony Punis. We won 2 0, and one of the goals was a Paul Lynch's own goal, uh, giving us the win there. I believe that you were tripped up on that trivia in the group chat, though, right? If you count A.B. Booth Freud being in the home dugout as England under 20s manager as being tripped up, then maybe, absolutely, I do not. So, of the former England managers, Allardyce um, hasn't since he managed England. He, he may have done in the 90s when he was managing around the lower leagues, but not since he managed England. Obviously, Capello's never managed in England again, so certainly not him. Steve McLaren hasn't because he's generally managed championship clubs, if anybody, and uh, you know, and that was when we were down in down in obviously leagues one and two. Sven Jorgensen. Um, you say, did Sven not bring his Notts County side down here at any point? Uh, no, that was when they were in League Two and we were in the Championship. Um, so he he never mm. did with with Man City or Leicester either. I, I distinctly remember that game against Nottingham Forest where there was a large TV in the corner and block three broke out into a chant of Sven Goran Eriksson. I was very confused. Anyway. Sorry, what was that? I've, I've got no recollection of that happening. What, 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 sorry, what was the, the, the anecdote? It didn't last very long. It was about a minute long. No, well, well he's, he's certainly not managed anyway. Um, Kevin Keegan, again, he he only had a, a, you know one or two club jobs after managing England and none of them saw him go to the away dugout. So it's only Hoddle I can think of. So, yeah, certainly none in a long time apart from him. Last but not least, uh, Tumani Diagaraga has announced his retirement from football. Uh, personally, think he was a great player for us, very reliable in the middle of the park. He, uh, he released a statement that said, thanks to everyone who played a part in making it possible, every coach, every club, every teammate, we are in that uh, conversation. Uh, now the time has come for me to try and help the next generation fulfil their dreams. Uh, any standout Diagaraga memories? That goal was it, Barry, where he sort of spins, comes, it drops out of the air, and he just taps it home. Um, I think it was three-two. We beat Barry that day. Um, that might have been the day that a former manager of Argos got sent off for brutally attacking our goalkeeper. That's correct. Um, yeah, he 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 really went through. He really went through Remy Matthews. Um, poor poor Remy was lucky to still be standing after that. Yeah, it, it was three 0 We won. We we absolutely took them to the cleaners uh, that day. Um, and I think, and I think that was la- I think that was Diagaraga's last game. It was Diagaraga's last game. Yeah, totally dominant Argyle performance. He scored one where it comes into him and he sort of tries to control it and it spins up in the air and he, he pirouettes and as it's coming down, he's free and he just taps it home. I think that's Gillingham. Might have been the Gillingham when um we last minute Gillingham two one. Yeah, Tom Eves had yeah. just put a screamer in against us and uh, just uh, a minute from time, Diagaraga does Either that. way, whoever it was against, whether it was Barry or whether it was against Gillingham, as you can tell, Diagaraga's career at Argo was immensely memorable I'm sure he will now join Derek Adams coaching staff wherever at Morecambe if he fancies it I think they were his only two goals for our goal there may have been a third but I'm not sure I think and I remember, and I remember yeah. them vividly both what a, what a, what a, what a thing <laughs> and he got a three because he scored at home uh, against Oldham Athletic ah uh, yeah so he did yeah was that the game that Lemiris came back in the tactical masterclass because he sent him out on trial about a week before Yes, potentially. Sent him out on trial to Oldham, gave him a kick up the backside, and he came back and was man of the match against Oldham. Yeah, Diagaraga, Carey, Edwards and Jervis, the scorers that day. Ryan Edwards. Where's he now? Still at Dundee United, I think. 
I thought he was linked with somebody. Anyway, this is not very pod. This isn't pod material, Aaron. I think he was linked with some with a move to somebody in League One, might have been Bolton, but I don't think it came to fruition. I think that's enough for this week. You can cut all that out, I think. No. It's nearly midnight. I'm not editing this. Have fun. See you later. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Aaron. Cheers. Cheers. Aaron, stop the recording. Oh, yeah. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook, and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.